Hi, this is Jean-Jacques Taylor, and you're listening to Jock Talk. This is a podcast where I talk about the Cowboys, the team I've covered as a beat writer, columnist, TV insider, and radio host for 28 years. I'll also talk about the NFL and the things I love, working out, streaming, food, and all things Dallas. My boy, Big Joe and the Big Rig, one of my oldest friends, produces the show and occasionally chimes in with his thoughts on the Cowboys. After all, he's a lifelong Cowboys fan, and he played high school, college, and semi-pro football. Welcome to Jock Talk, where sports is fluid. What's true today might not be true an hour, a day, or a month from now. I'm going to give you the truth straight. No chaser. Glad to have you aboard. Let's get it. Welcome, my friends, to episode 42. I hope you're prepared to be entertained and dazzled for the next hour or so as me and Big Joe and the Big Rig break down all things Dallas Cowboys and a few other surprises we got for you right here on Jock Talk, episode 42, for those of you keeping count at home. I am troubled this morning. Troubled, I tell you, Joe. Troubled! Because one of my three aromatherapy machines is not putting out. Two of them look like smokestacks in a factory, and one of them ain't doing nothing. And I am hurt and disappointed by that, because there's nothing that picks you up like the smell of sweet orange in the morning. That's just my little public announcement to y'all, from me to you. Get yourself some aromatherapy. Just make you feel good, dog. Might be why I had one of the best workouts I've had in about a year this morning. Uh, now that we got that out of the way, I understand. Christmas, on a couple weeks away, there's still time. You know what? Bless y'all. I got several orders yesterday for Coach Prime. Deion Sanders in the making a mint. I got to go to uh, the post office after, uh, after the show today and send off several copies to people who uh, requested them. So, signed copies, so, which is great. You can find it, the book that I spent a year covering uh, Deion Sanders at Jackson State. Anything you want to know about why he's successful at Colorado, why I think he will ultimately win there, why he's recruiting and getting a bunch of recruits this year, hey, it's all in the book. It lays out the blueprint for how he thinks and why he is the way he is. Makes a great Christmas gift. Let me tell you, it really does. Uh, you can find it wherever you find books. Walmart, Barnes & Noble, uh, Amazon.com, all those places it carries. All you do is got to type in Coach Prime book and bam, it pops up real quick. Follow me on Twitter. JJT Journalist. Somehow, we'll talk about it one day, my Twitter account got deleted. It's a big scandal. But, so if you think you follow me, you don't. So follow me at JJT Journalist. I am Jean-Jacques Taylor. is an easy way to find me on Twitter, X, or whatever we're calling it these days. Greening Law, you should have the number in the phone by now. And if you don't, tis, 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 shame on you. Don't wait till you need the number to look for it. Put the number in your phone now, 972-934-8900. Here's why. If you're ever involved in an accident and you're not at, and you're not at the crib, you need to call Greening Law. It could be an 18-wheeler hit. You could be a regular accident. You could be out somewhere and get hurt. If somebody else's negligence has caused and created some pain and injury for you, you need somebody to represent you. You need somebody to help you. Greening Law is the place that does that. Here's why. Here's all you have to do. You get your situation, you give them a call, you talk to a member of the green team, and you say, literally, here's the details of my situation, what do you think? If they bring you on as a client, it's a great day for you. And here's why. They don't get paid unless you get paid. So you don't ever have to wonder, are they going to work for me? Are they going to grind for me? Where am I on the priority list? You're A1, number one on the priority list, because they don't get paid unless you get paid. It's that simple. Really, it is. And so what I want you to know is let them walk you through the process. They hold your hand. They tell you when to turn left, when to turn right, when to stay still. Hey, all of that is important because they want you to focus on two things, rest, renewal. 
renewal and rest. Get your mind right, get your body right, then you'll be right. That's what they want you to focus on. So if you're involved in an accident, it's not your fault. Somebody else's negligence, you know, just punch in the number, 972-934-8900. It costs you nothing but time, and it might just change your life. Speaking of life changing, let's go to, uh, you know, this is my favorite thing of the uh one of my favorite things of the week, whispers from the star when done properly, which means I got enough time in the locker room to get it done, is my favorite thing to do. But four plays that shape the game is really high on my priority list, too, because it's always fun to go back and look at a Cowboys game and talk about how they ended up winning this game. Um, because every game is really, to me, and I ain't breaking no news here, it's three or four, five, six plays in every game. That changed the difference. And so it was really amusing to me, Doug. Um, Cowboys blow out the Eagles. Uh, 33-13. And I heard a reputable person, reputable person, analyst, real good dude, uh, who doesn't really have, I mean, he's not anti-Cowboy, he's not pro-Cowboy, he's just, he's a legitimate analyst. Uh, oh, you know what? He may have some bias there. Okay, I just thought of some bias. But anyway, it was Ross Tucker, who's great at what he does. Played for the Cowboys. You know one of my favorite stories about Ross Tucker? Because uh, I've talked, I've met Ross two or three times. I, we, I had him on, we had him on our show. Yeah, uh, TCU. Jam session. Went to TCU also. Ross Tucker went to TCU? I think so. He's his brother. I don't I think, I don't he got think a brother, so. Right? I don't know. I don't think he went to TCU. And I'm not, saying, I'm not saying that I know this for sure. But he didn't sound like a TCU guy. I thought he was an Ivy League guy. Okay. But the, and I'm going to look it up while we're talking. But the interesting thing about Ross Tucker is Ross Tucker played in the National Football League. Uh, no, he went to Princeton. Okay. Ross Tucker played in the National Football League from 2001 to 2005. Okay. He played with your Dallas Cowboys. In 2002, he started seven games for your Dallas Cowboys in 2002. I have zero memory of Ross Tucker at all. And I'm, I'm good with names. I'm good with players. I have no recollection of uh, at all at Ross Tucker's seven games in Dallas. And he started. Now, 2002 was what? Dave Campos' 5-11 and 11 season. And we spent a lot of time talking about, is this Campos' last? It was a lot. There wasn't much about the games because the team was really sorry. And so it was really about all the stuff swirling around the game. And um, that may be why I don't remember Ross Tucker, but I really get embarrassed by the fact that you started seven games for the Cowboys, and I have zero recollection of you um, in Dallas. Now, my problem, uh, it's not my problem, but when Ross was talking on Dan Patrick's show yesterday about the game, he said, well, the Cowboys won. They beat them by 20. This is, this is true. He said, but, you know, if, if A.J. Brown doesn't do this and they fumbled three times in yeah. Cowboys territory and this and that and that, it would have been a much closer game. Well, damn, dog, that's the game. Yeah. That's every effing week is that's the game. And you can't really say if they hadn't fumbled, why? Because that's what the Cowboys do. Look at those balls that came out. That was not sloppy ball handling. I hate when I say that. Uh, they had five-point pressure and some other things on the ball. That was the Cowboys being persistent and consistent with their techniques to create turnovers. 
and they worked. Just like, now see, that's the difference. See, they fumbled the three times in Philly, and it's not that they recovered them all, but that last fumble where the running back and the quarterback run into each other, well, you ain't got nothing to do with that. That's just lucky if you get it. But those fumbles they caused the other day, that was the Cowboys like, we after the ball, and if it's not five-point pressure secure 100%, we might just snatch that thing out. And so – yeah, and so you can't just watch that game. Well, you know, A.J. Brown should have had that catch, but he didn't. You know, just like Michael Gallup made a great play at the end. I mean, it ha- that's the name of the game. Every week you make plays or you don't, and that's why you win or you lose, and that's why we love the game. And so there were um, 126 plays in the game the other day, and here's four that made a bigger deal than the others to me. And there was a lot of games in there. And so you start off, dog, with the Cowboys uh, getting the ball uh, because Philadelphia deferred, as, you know, teams do most of the time. And, dude, they came out gunning on this drive. And they moved quickly down the field. Uh, they had a couple third downs. And uh, we both liked that reverse because it surprised me. Third and one, Dallas 34 to start the game. Three plays in, you don't really expect a reverse um, to Cavante uh, Turpin and went for 22 yards. And that got that really got the uh, the thing moving, and so they uh, they move all the way down the field, man. And it's third and two at the Philadelphia thirteen. And here's what we're talking about: they didn't have red zone problems off and on throughout the season. And here's a play because if you this is, a, this is what we call what four point play. And when you're playing Philadelphia, Philadelphia, if they get to, if they can hold you to a field goal, they like yeah. They came out, they all hyped in front of their home crowd. We got a win because they moved down the field. We held them to a field goal. So, third and two, right off the bat, we got a play that matters. Here's what happened. Third and two. He's bring four. Prescott, bouncing, looking, escaping, throwing on the run. Flag is down as Lamb catches it, takes it to the end zone for a touchdown. But there is a flag down, and this is coming back. Preliminary signal is a hold on the Cowboys. Now there's a conversation at the 21-yard line. A referee tonight, John Hussey. There is no foul on the play. The result of the play is a touchdown. So I would like to, to uh, use the words of my friend. Hold on, killer. What do you mean? No, no, no. What, easy, what do you say? Easy killer. Oh, I'm sorry. Those In two words, words my- easy killer. Okay, hold on. Let me try this again. In the words of my one of my good friends, easy killer, easy killer, easy man. So I was like, I never. And maybe you heard, dog. I never got a good explanation for why they picked the flag up. Did you? He said something about the uh, distance between the, when the player tried to pull away from uh, Tyler Smith. It wasn't really a distance between. It was a BS explanation. Something about the distance, like you can hold. As long as the player ain't trying to get away and it's a certain amount of distance between them, they're not going to So it was it. the technical or the technical? Yeah, like the inside of the frame of the body call against the Rams yeah. and all that BS. All right, know. so, but here's the thing. That's a huge play, man, because, one, you get to touch. It was a really nice play by Dak to escape the pressure, roll to his left, throw a nice ball, run into your left, and still managing the lead CD because a lot of times when you run through your left and you throw the ball, what do you do? It's a little bit behind the receiver. He got to reach back. He still led him perfectly. He is able to catch the ball in stride and uh, and run into the end zone. Now, very quick exit ramp. 
Very quick exit ramp. This is why I don't buy this BS. And we're going to talk to Clarence E. Hill Jr. on Thursday about this at some point. When you say, well, Brock Purdy, all his guys do is run after the catch. Dog, you can run after the catch when guys hit you in stride and you ain't got to break stride because you're so accurate and you just go. Yes, there are some times when wide receivers make moves. But, hey, Michael Gallup made a great catch the other day for 40 and 39 yards. It happens. Uh, Now, back off that exit ramp, back into this play. So when they picked up the flag with this very technical, technical explanation, that's great for the Cowboys, man, because there's a big difference mentally between 7 nothing and 3 nothing, And I'm not just talking about for the, uh, for the Eagles. There's a big difference for the Cowboys mentally between 7 nothing and 3 nothing, because the mentality is we've been talking about kicking your ass all week, and here we are. We start off kicking your ass. It's on. Let's go. As opposed to, dang, man, I, we had this great drive. We ended up with a field goal. That's good, but uh, here we go. So, me, to me, Let me ahead. say something about the mobility of Dak. Uh, uh, after he, after he uh, broke his ankle, his leg, or whatever, he was terrible, you know, on the run. But he's always been good on the run. It just goes to show the health, the healthiness of him right now. His health is good right now, and he's protecting himself on the slide when he run and all of that stuff. I think the other thing that goes into uh, what you said is it's the uh, it's the confidence in your body. Like you know, you have full confidence in your body, and that's why. Very quick exit ramp again. Like, we can talk about, well, you know, next year, what they got? They got Trayvon Diggs, and they got Bland, and da-da-da. Trayvon Diggs is not going to be Trayvon Diggs next year. I'm just here to tell you. He's not. It's going to be two years before he's that guy that we remember. Now, he may be good next year and all that, but I'm telling you, anybody you talk to who's ever had an ACL, they swear up and down, I thought I was good the first year until I played the second year. And so he'll give you what he got, and he'll be proud. He'll probably be good next year, but he won't be that dude that you saw uh, before he got hurt until he gets full confidence back in his body. And almost anybody you talk to says that takes a couple years. It's only one player, Adrian Peterson. They yeah. came back full speed from an ACL. Right. And, and what is Adrian Peterson? An athletic freak. Yes, yes, indeed. I mean, amongst the freakiest of athletes, he's a freak. Yep. Uh, and, dude, I saw a highlight as I go down one more exit ramp. I saw a highlight of him on Twitter the other day, and I was just, oh, my God. And it was uh, – and what happened was it came right after I saw some highlights of Leonard Fournette. And Leonard Fournette, because, you know, people trying – I can't remember, but, you know, he's an NFL disappointment. He's all right, but he wasn't what people thought he was going to be. And when I looked at Fournette from college – it became clear to me he was more like Herschel Walker, like straight line speed, bunch of strength, bunch of power, didn't really have a lot of shake and a lot of wiggle. And that's why in the NFL, you need you just can't be straight line strength and power to me and have that kind of uber career. Uh, maybe Earl Campbell did it. Um, but, again, we're talking about the freakiest of the freaks. Well, dude, when I saw Adrian Peters, I'm like, man, he like 6'2", 220 with strength, power, and shake. And that's why he was Adrian Peterson. Because um, his feet was moving, dog, and I ain't, I'm talking about in that short, the short areas, uh, he was getting down. Yeah, he was real. He was real quick on top end speed. But let's make no mistake that Earl was special because Earl was a a business decision. Are you gonna yeah. tackle him? Or are you not? Because he was gonna hurt you. Right. So uh, yeah. no, Earl, you know, and if, and if y'all young enough to not know Earl Campbell, go 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 Google Earl Campbell because I made my son Google Warren Moon the other day because he was like. Okay, Warren Moon, what's, what's the deal? And mm-hmm. so I was like, Google him, dog, and it, it'll become clear to you. 
Uh, so moving on as the Cowboys lead 7 nothing, And, you know, man, this is the way I watch games. It's like right now Philadelphia need to an answer because the Cowboys are on one. I can tell after one series the Cowboys are on one. And so Philadelphia needs an answer right here. Or you can get knocked out in the first round the way these Cowboys play because they put basketball runs on you. And so if you're not ready, you can get knocked out. And so uh, Philadelphia, though, they answered, man. Because this is a hell of a drive. First down, second down, first down, first down, second down, first down, second down, second down. And finally, finally, the Cowboys, they got a false start that helped them get into a, uh, a uh, third and 11. And then finally, it ended up as a uh, third and 16. And on the third and 16, man, I don't know how Devontae Smith got wide open for 30 yards. I mean, you're not really supposed to convert third and 16. But I remember thinking at the time, Damn, they got the ball to Dallas 21. They finna go in and score, and we finna have a shootout for the ages. And right about then, uh, once again, they had a pass interference, offensive pass interference penalty, which is uh, we're seeing a little bit more with all these pick routes. So it becomes first and 20 at the Dallas 31, but I'm still thinking Philadelphia's in good shape. And here's what went down. Dude, huge play. Huge play from a dude, in my opinion, is having an I don't want to say if he's yeah, okay, here's the word. I don't I'm not going to say Donovan Wilson's having a bad season. I'm going to say he's having a quiet season. And this is what I mean. To me, he like a human missile dog. He rocks your world when he hits you. We just haven't seen it all that much this year. I mean, last year, one reason he got paid in the offseason, relatively speaking for safeties, is he had, he had three or four sacks, three or four forced fumbles. He was a difference maker. He, was, he showed up around the ball. He'll knock your jock off, all that stuff. We haven't seen him much this year. But he's seen him a little bit against Seattle. Now he's seen him a little bit against Philadelphia. And it seems to me maybe after being hurt and missing most of training camp, He's finally getting back in the swing of things. Thoughts? Yeah, it takes a little bit to come back from an injury, especially leg injuries, because you're using your you're using your body to hit, lift, and drive and get pop on somebody. So a lot of times, like you said, trusting your body. You know, you can you when you start trying to make tackles, sometimes you ain't you ain't driving as hard. You ain't got as much pop if you don't think that your leg that's injured is gonna hang, gonna uh, hold up. No, no, you make a uh, you make a good point. I like how you say that. What do you call it? Stop, drop, pop, or something. Hit, lift, and drive. Hit, lift, and drive. Sound like what you used to do with the blocking sled. Do that. You do that in in a, in a number of drills, but you mostly do it when you're knocking the hell out of somebody. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, hit, hit, lift, hit, and drive. Hit, lift, and drive. Now I'm gonna take a quick exit ramp. You know what's cool about that? Is uh well you excellent you excellent your ass off today, but hey man, it is what it is. I was on one in the gym this morning. It's goodness, it's, it's, it's greatness. Go ahead. And uh, one of the one of the things I loved most about watching my son play football is that, and I promise y'all this is the truth. His first day of practice with the youth team that he played for, the DeSoto Panthers, where he 
he showed up as a as an eight year old and played till till uh, he was out of eligibility at thirteen. First day of practice in the uh, in the seventh grade, it's the same thing. I heard a coach say one coach in DeSoto said, "Yeah, how come you ain't tell me your son could hit like that?" I said, "I don't know. He, I that's just kind of what he do." And then first day of practice in seventh grade, I was walking off because I was one of the dads that was at practice, though I never talked to the coaches about it. And I heard one of the coaches say, hey, who is that uh, 50? He was knocking the shit out of people today. That was my son. And I was like, yeah, it's on. And somebody once asked me about his hitting technique. He said he got good hip lift, all that stuff you just said. Mm-hmm. I said, thank dog. I think he got that naturally because ain't nobody ever just sat down and coached it with him. He just naturally had it. And he said, oh, well, that's a blessing because he, uh, he's going to be a good defensive player if he can keep that. Well, injuries ended his career, so to speak. But it is what it is. But I used to like to watch my son knock the crap out of people. So that's, that was my exit ramp on that. Um, as we get back into four plays that shaped the game and the Cowboys' 33-13 victory. This was interesting to me, man. Philadelphia 17-6 at halftime. I mean, as we move into the last two minutes of the first half. And Dallas is cool because they held him to yet another field goal. And they get the ball back. And this is real tricky, man, because it's second and 16 at the Dallas 30. And you're trying to figure out how aggressive do you need to be? Because if you throw the ball and you end up third and 16, the clock stops. And then if you try to run it on a third down, they're going to call a timeout. You're going to gain three or four yards probably. Now you're going to punt the ball away. And they're going to have about 50 seconds to try to get a touchdown or move into a field goal range and cut it to 17-9. And it's going to be like we didn't beat them up, beat them up the entire first half, and we really only up one possession, and they get the ball to start the second half. And so to me, this was a – it seemed weird, but this was a really critical play of the game. It's third and six at the Dallas 40, and here's what happened. Official watching that matchup saw something. Face mask? That gesture was with his hand from the field judge Anthony Fleming back there. 44 seconds, Dallas with two timeouts. There are two fouls on the play, both by the same player. Pass interference, defense, number 22. Also, while committing that act of pass interference, face mask, personal foul, defense, number 22. Dude, I ain't never seen nothing like that in my 28 years of covering the National Football League. Never, ever, ever, never have I seen something like that. You pulled the man's face mask. And so you got called for that, but that was also pass interference, but the face mask is also a penalty. I mean, they, I mean, like I said, I had never seen anything like that. And all of a sudden, the Cowboys pick up uh, uh, the 10 yards for the pass interference and 15 yards for the face mask. That's a big play. Yep, 25 yards. Yes, sir. All of a sudden, they had the Philadelphia 35 with 44 seconds. Now it's on and popping. Two plays later, a perfect post route 
by Brandon Cooks, a perfect throw from Dak Prescott. Sweet. And it's first and goal at the one. And then uh, they ran a beautiful pick play. And this is what I like to see. I mean, for years, I complained amongst others, like, why is Dallas the only team that don't run pick plays? Like, why? And uh, this was a beautiful one at the goal line. CeeDee Lamb did a little 360 twirl to get in the dude's way. And because it was within a yard of the line of scrimmage, it was legal. I mean, it was, it was a beautifully called play, a beautifully executed play. And just like that, Dallas goes up 24-6. And at that point, I'm like, oh, they finna pick a number today because it's they own one, and Philadelphia got no answer for them. Still, Eagles get the ball to start the third quarter, and it's like anything else. It's 24-6, but if you can come out and score a touchdown, it's the same feeling. They done beat us up, up and down the field, but it's 24-13 with the whole second half to play. We're the Eagles. We come back from 10 down all the time. Uh, we beat teams over 500 all the time, except for San Francisco. We come back from 10-point deficits all the time. Uh, so there was still some, uh, I think, a little bit of, um, you know, angst in the building. And then when uh, your boy uh, Jalen Carter returns the strip sack, 42 yards for a touchdown, it's 24-13. Yeah, uh-oh. You're like, uh-oh, <laughs> here they go. Here and part go. of that problem was, duh, I ain't never – this just me, your boy here, just me. I ain't never seen Zach Martin picked up and put down like that on that particular play. And Fletcher Cox did that thing. Picked him up, walked him back down the deck, set him down, and then stripped him. I was like, oh, wow. I ain't never seen that. Have you? No. I think I think Zach's still recovering from no training camp and the leg injuries that he had. Uh, he's still probably one of the best people on technique. Oh. You can beat you. He's going to get beat every now and then, so it, it, it happens. Let me tell you what this he, is, He's man. still my guy. No, 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 no. This is, this is what happened. Deion Sanders was so good his whole career that at the end in Dallas where he had these foot problems, mm-hmm. he would give up a catch and he'd be like, what? Yeah. He gave up a 14-yard dig? What's yeah. wrong with him? Yeah. And it's, it's because of the standard that you set for your greatness that people question when you do something. Deion, uh, Deion was a warrior, man. People forget about that, man. He With the bad hamstring, man. with the bad leg. You know, bad toes, whatever. He play, he balled out. He Deion was, he is one warrior. of the he's one of the toughest, mentally toughest dudes you'll ever meet. Yep. Uh mentally tough, you can't break him. He's he's unbreakable in terms of his mental toughness. Because he just decides this is what's gonna happen and this is what happens. He wills things to happen. So it's uh, it's twenty four thirteen. Now the game feels tenuous because hey, if the Cowboys don't score on this drive, they kick the ball back. What if Philadelphia offense finally awakened, do something? Now it's 24-20. It's on with half the third quarter. Yeah, yeah. And so, again, man, the Cowboys are moving the ball. First down, second down, first down, second down. Um, And now it's third and six. To me, this is probably the biggest play of the game because you need to take the momentum back. You need to do something. And here's what happened. That's Tony Pollard, who's in on third and six. The Eagles bring a blitz. Get to Dak. The throw caught by Ferguson. Getting away from Sidney Brown. Jake Ferguson. Big run to the 27-yard line. Huge play there. 33 yards. Man, Jake Ferguson doing his best to turn into that dude. Man, <laughs> doing Jake, his best I, to I, be that dude, man. I already say, hey, Jake going to be Jake. 
Jake, he doing his best to turn to that dude, man. Jake gonna be Jake. That's Jake doing Jake. Jake gonna be Jake. That's all I'm saying. Man, man. that dude looked like he headed for a 10, 12-year career in Dallas, and man. he gonna be that dude. Jake got that fire, man. Jake, Jake caught that ball, got up off the ground stomping. <laughs> you know, like what y'all, you know, I, 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 they need to mic him up. I, I like to uh, read, dude. man, hey, I know he talking trash, man, yeah, and you love to see that, man. Man, but I love, I like him because he is the epitome, what appears to me, he is the epitome, complete tight end. He can block, I'm sure Jake, Jake, Jason Witten's just sitting there just smiling like, yes, it took a couple years to get the next me, but they got one, and, um. Uh, we have to remember a young Jason Witten as opposed to the lumbering guy at the end. But Jake, man, the way he didn't decide to hurdle, this is every week occurrence now. And so, uh, but he's just balling out, man. He's making good catches, uh, catches in traffic. He's running after the catch. He's, and that lights a fire under the crowd. Uh, now, this was a weird drive because that was a huge play. Got him to the Philadelphia 28. Well, the and, throw, the throw. Dak, Dak took a hit to the – Dak looked like Troy Aikman right there. Duh, he, he looked like it. Troy right there. He stood there in the pocket, took that shot. And yeah, and that's why. dropped a dime. And that's why the ball came out wobbly, because he got hit as he threw yeah. it. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it was a zero blitz. Everybody coming. Mm-hmm. And can you get it out before they get there? And so it was a beautiful play. It was a great throw by Dak. High, so your boy has to extend and make the catch, keep his balance, break a tackle. Got some help from CeeDee Lamb downfield blocking. And uh, it was uh, that was a play that's kind of the epitome of these Dallas Cowboys over the last six, seven weeks, man. And uh, the drive stalled. It was a weird drive. They had a couple bad penalties, or they should have scored a touchdown on that drive. Instead, your boy hits a 59-yard field goal to go with the 60-yarder he hit earlier. Dallas 27-13, and Philadelphia, uh, they, got, they, they made, a couple, made it interesting, but Cowboys picked up a couple turnovers. They win 33-13, their sixth win by 20 points or more. Uh, at least for now, they take over first place in the NFC East. If Philadelphia wins its last four games, no matter what Dallas does, uh, the, the Eagles will win the East and the Cowboys will head on the road. But here's what I've told y'all all along, all along and I've been very consistent. It's all about whether the Cowboys are playing good football in uh, heading into the playoffs. And if they are, uh, yeah, they play great at home, but it won't matter where they play. Um, if they're playing their best football because uh, they're a really tough team to beat, um, you know, and, you know, we'll see what happens. Uh, but aside from San Francisco, uh, I give them the edge on just about anybody right now, including Philadelphia, because they're playing better than Philadelphia right now. Uh, we'll see how Philadelphia regroups over the next month and how the Cowboys fare over the next month. But right now they're the second best team in the NFC behind San Francisco. And San Francisco, to me, to your boy, is the best team. Right now in the National Football League. Agreed. And with that, let's go to my boy Todd Archer, who's probably moaning and groaning because we're a few minutes late today. Although, just so y'all know, I did text him and tell him we was going to be a few minutes late. So maybe he won't bite my head off when he shows up. And he's brought to you each and every Wednesday by my friends at Smokey John's Barbecue. Hello. What's up, bro? What's going on? It's all good, baby. All good. Uh, let me see. We're going to start off with this. What is your feelings on your Dallas Cowboys as they start their four-game gauntlet? Hmm. 
Why, why I don't want to say, well, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to say, well, they've done what last year's team did and they're in the same spot that the team in 21 did, but they kind of are. Now, I think what's different, though, is how they're playing. They're not squeaking by teams that they should beat handily and then a team that's, that was the best that they've played so far, they handled them, too, in Philadelphia last week. So uh, you have to feel as good about this team as any since the 07 team, because even the 16 team didn't have a defense that was like this. The 07 team had a good defense with, with Ware and Ratliff and Newman and Brady James and all those guys. So that was a really good defense, statistically or not, and had the best record in the NF- NFC. So probably I would go back to that team thinking of their what their chances are as they enter this gauntlet, as Mike McCarthy called it. What about 14? That's Dez. I don't Romo. think the defense was up there. I, I think the offense was is the as good then and right. now, but again, it's the the, the separator is the defense. That wasn't a, a a hallmark defense. Sean Lee didn't even play that year. He tore his ACL and in, in minicamp. Right. Uh, Rolando mm-hmm. McLean had a really good season, but you know how many of those guys made the Pro Bowl? That's a good question. How many of those guys made the Pro Bowl, John? Let me look that up. Yeah. We'll get on that. But I, I mean. <laughs> and I said that because you uh, probably got a media guy handy and I don't. Yeah, there were zero pro bowlers on that. I mean, look, their defensive line was George Selvey, Nick Hayden, Tyrone Crawford, Jeremy Mincy. Well, I mean, let's end that argument or that conversation. Right. What? Yeah, you and, and look, Crawford was a good player. Those guys were all functional, good, solid players, but. None of them are Micah. None of them are Demarcus Lawrence, even though that was Demarcus's rookie year. Um, you know, so I would give the I would give uh, give this defense the edge over those guys. Uh, what was your ta- What was your take uh, on the Eagles game and how they performed, and uh, what we can take from that? Um, I mean, it's I don't know any other way to call it other than impressive. Like Philadelphia might not be what we thought they were or are or I don't know what I'm trying to say with Denny Green but they only scored six points like the only touchdown they got was from when Dak had the sack fumble like did they I don't know if they got inside the Cowboys red zone the entire night one possession yeah I mean it's it's um that's as impressive and that's a good offense like that offensive line is good Hurts was an MVP guy or is an MVP guy uh, we know about their receivers. Goddard was back playing. So um, it wasn't like they were playing uh, an Eagles offense that didn't have anybody. Now their defense is terrible, and I don't know how they work around that uh, w- with a month to go. Uh, now, and I still say this, they're still going to win the division because they're going to go 14-3, and three, <laughs> right. and it's not going to matter. So they'll get the tiebreaker. Um, but that's why I think for the Cowboys, somehow make sure – you're playing the Eagles in the divisional round of the playoffs and not San Francisco. And that might be incumbent on what happens, you know, in the, in the other first wild card rounds for that to happen. But um, it's, yeah, I, I, if I'm Philadelphia, I have some real concern. And they might need to change the way they play offensively to start protecting that defense because they just don't have any answers in the secondary. 
they can talk up Kevin Byard and the acquisition of that all they want. Did he make a play? I mean, I'm sure he did, but he was, was he a difference maker? Has no. he been a difference maker? Like, Shaq Leonard got out there. Did you notice him? Like, I mean, they, they, I'm not I'm not saying they never should have signed those guys because if you think they can help, you go out and get it because you think you're a team that can get to the Super Bowl. But I'm not making a judgment on Shaq Leonard on his first game after being there for two and a half minutes. Right. But I, I still think that Philly defense is hurting in a in such a big way. Now, I think the interesting thing about this is, uh, and I talked to a couple people yesterday, uh, and I listened to Dak. He goes 24 of 39, 271, two touchdowns, no picks. And he's like, ah, I didn't really play that good, or we'd have put 50 on him. And I talked to a couple people yesterday and said, yeah, you know, Dak was just all right. And I go, really? He's been playing so good that 271 and two touchdowns is just all right with no picks. Um I that that the, shows you why he's an MVP candidate. Me, right there. Yeah, that's what I'm getting at. Is that he's playing so good that a really good game is like, eh, he's all right. It wasn't nothing, you know, to talk about. Uh, what did you think about how he played the other day? Because I was trying to figure out. Uh, it was not his usual completion percentage, but I don't remember him like being off. And so, what what did you think about his performance? I, I, I'm with, I, I wrote immediately after the game, I said this is not one of his vintage performances that he's had in the last seven weeks because of the completion percentage. It was at the, after three quarters, he was completing 58% of his pass. Like, that was, that's not been Dak-like when he's completed 70% all year. The only other games were that he wasn't, that he was that low was the opener against New York in the, in the monsoon. And then the loss to San Francisco, everything else has been above 62.5%. So I, I thought there were throws that he missed. He was high on a couple of throws. He was off on a couple of throws. It looks like there were some, a, a couple of times where there's some miscommunication with Ferguson and Lamb where he thought they were sitting down. They thought they were supposed to move a little bit. This stuff he hadn't seen, but they overcame all that. And then after his, I think after the, the sack fumble, right. I think it was this. He was 9 of 12 for 104 yards. So he found it again, right? And, right. and obviously the big play to Gallup down the sideline was, you know, helped, helped the stats there. But he, I thought he was good. He was hmm, – he was uh, – <laughs> he, he was Dak last year. He was Dak the year before. He was, he was good. Like, right. But the Dak we've seen in the seven weeks, and I think that's what he was getting at. He's like – you know, I, I could have played better, and that, and that's I don't. Some guys say that and don't really mean it, right. like they're just kind of falling on the fake sword to make themselves look good. But right. I think Dak actually meant it. You know, I don't. I don't think Dak's ever stood in front of us and said something that he's not meant. And I, I believe that to be. I believe what he said Sunday night was true. Uh, you know what? And I, and I believe that because, and we heard him do it last week. If he doesn't get a question, he will say. Huh? What do you mean? What? Uh, say that again for me. Let me make sure I understand yeah. it right. Uh, which means he's really trying to give you an answer as opposed to, you know, going through his mental index of answers and pulling one out for you uh, just to just to uh, placate you so he can do his 10 minutes and get on with his day. He, he doesn't he doesn't do what coaches do when you ask the question and when they're fumbling for what they're going to say, they repeat and say, yeah, that's a good question. When really in their mind, when they say that, it's like that's the dumbest most idiotic question I've heard heard of her in my life. Let me formulate my thoughts here in this second and a half to go give you the answer that will just move me on to the next question. 
and, and that leads to a good like I I, uh, I don't do this often, but um, I, I I probably root for Dak to have success uh, personally because I think he's one of the he's a genuinely good person as as much as I can know and as much as I can tell and as much as I can observe from the way he interacts with people and the way you know he kind of carries himself and um, I don't think it's fake. Um, because you can see him when he's when the cameras aren't on, and he sounds like a normal person uh, when he's conversing with people, uh, even when he's having fun. Um, and so, you know, I like genuine authenticity. I don't think you get it a lot as athletes because, uh, and and I'm not saying they should because people try to tear him down at uh, at every uh, opportunity. So I think it's cool that uh, that he's such a what appears to be such a genuinely good dude that. You wish for him to have some success just because he kind of deserves some success. If all of that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it's his whole story, right? I mean, I don't know how anybody can not like the guy. Yeah, and like, he's a other than guy. The, Right. Like, other than the fact that if you're an Eagles fan, Giants fan, Washington fan, whatever fan of the team that's playing the Cowboys, I can see you not liking him for that yeah. reason. But just as a guy, like I don't, I don't. If if you're looking, if, if you if you don't, if you don't like Dak, then the problem's you. It's not, it, it, it's not Dak. Because as a guy, terrific guy. Like he does everything you'd want everybody to do. I, I, for a story I did uh, last week on his um, prep prep work during the week, Harold Nash said. I don't even know if I used the quote. I may, I may have, but he's like, he's the guy that you want your, your daughter to marry. Right. Like, you know, I'm sure Harold Nash has been around a lot of guys that he wouldn't want his daughter to marry in, in a locker room during his time in the NFL across a couple of different teams. So I, I don't think he's just saying that to say that. I think, you know, yeah, he's a, he's a good dude. Yeah, he is. And I think uh, I can't wait for this week's matchup, man. I think it's going to be a great game. Uh, because both quarterbacks have been over their careers much maligned. Some of it deserved, some of it not. Uh, but you got two of the best quarterbacks in the league squaring off. And uh, I've never, I, I don't know that I've seen Josh Allen in person play. And so I'm looking forward to that. And uh, I, I just think it's going to be a, a, a phenomenal game. How do you see it uh, playing out? So I'm looking forward to it too, and I'm looking forward to it mostly because I think you're going to the game, and um, you're going to probably be sitting outside. So that's what I'm looking forward to. <laughs> I've already Are you going? Che- yeah, I've already checked with my dad about the weather. It's supposed to be 44 degrees, but you know, my dad. Cold for you sit- though. Yeah, but I mean, I am that dude, man, and so you know. Oh I mean, God! I- <laughs> <laughs> what What does that mean? I am that dude. The, the cold don't affect you or something? No, man. You're not, it's not going to affect me. Uh, oh, I'm going to be bundled okay. up nicely. But, you know, my dad. This is where we bring up Michael that. Johnson cut your grass when you were a kid. I am that dude. Yep, you're that you dude. You know, that's, that was completely uh, unnecessary. Shots you know, taken. <laughs> shots completely taken. Completely unnecessary. That was for Joe. I had a yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, man. Hey, he's all good. <laughs> you think I ain't heard that before? Yeah, I have. Uh, I think it's uh, you know supposed to be balmy for Buffalo standards, but you know my dad being such a, a long time season ticket holder, you know he got heated jackets and you know all kind of stuff we don't even I've never even heard of. He's got in his uh, arsenal of of weather wear because he ain't missing no games. He even got a little jeep that he named We Go. 
I go like, what is that? Like, we go, no matter whether it's 12 feet of snow or 10 feet of snow, we go. And so that's how, that's what he named his Jeep. Yeah, you got to be tough to live in Buffalo, man. No, nah, so my dad says you have to embrace the conditions. And if you embrace it, instead of moaning and groaning about it, you can thrive. Yeah, service, we used to call yeah. it embrace the suck. Right. Yeah. Now, yeah. You, had, you also have to understand that when he went to Buffalo uh, in 1987, I was a sophomore at Ohio State, and he said, hey, I just got this great opportunity in Buffalo. I'm going to take it. You want to go? And I was like, Dad. I love you. Ain't nothing in Buffalo for me, man. Not no football team, not no sports, and my girl is here. I'll come visit you on I'll come visit you with regularity. But I ain't no way in hell I'm going to Buffalo. And he said, All right, son, I'll see you later. And we're still close (laughs) all these years later. (laughs) And and Uh, the second he moved there, Buffalo started getting good and uh, went to three straight, four straight Super Bowls. Yep, there you go. And the suffering that they 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 felt because they couldn't win any of them uh, is beyond belief. Uh, but back to but, the game, I'm looking yeah. forward to the Josh Allen. But look, I think Josh Allen could run for 100 yards against the Cowboys this week. Run for, like, right? We saw it, for some reason. Well, the Eagles didn't have the ball much because of the time of possession, but Hurts ran it pretty good a couple times, especially early in the game. Um, so I, I think Josh Allen can be a guy that can hurt them with his legs, and look, they're they're good again. Well, they're not that they've ever been bad, but they're they're believing again, right up there. Yeah. It seems like, and you look at the rest of the NS, the AFC, everybody's kind of coming back to the pack. Like even you know Baltimore's on top; they need overtime to be, to beat the Rams, who the Cowboys beat by twenty points, twenty three points, whatever it was. Right, uh, Miami loses a 14-point lead in the last three minutes uh, of, of the fourth quarter last night. Um, Kansas City's imploding. So if you're Buffalo, you're like, okay, wait a minute. Season's not gone the way we wanted to. We're not in the playoffs yet. I don't, they might be one of those teams that no one wants to play. And if they were to win this game, then they'd definitely become a team that no one would want to play. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I think they have – do you know what the line is yet? Uh, I haven't I have, seen it. I have every. I mean, I'm a, I'm gonna try to find the line right quick, but I don't think it's a. Uh, I don't know how I view this game. Like this is a game where you can play good and lose. And for me, it's uh, during this gauntlet that we've been talking about, which started with Philadelphia, Buffalo, Miami, uh, Detroit. To me, I mean, I I think you have to be the ultimate optimist to think that they're going 4-0 and during this stretch. Just like I thought you would have to be on crack or something if you thought Philadelphia was going to beat uh, Dallas, Kansas City, Buffalo, San Francisco, Dallas, and go 5-0. and 3-2 and yeah. was a heck of a stretch for, for them with that, with that gauntlet. And so for me, if Dallas goes 3-1 and during this stretch, I mean, they've had a hell of a run, and it's all good to me. It's just a matter of uh, which one you lose. They needed to win the Philadelphia and, you know, to me, as long as they get one of the next two, it's okay. I just don't know which one they're going to get. Well, but uh, They could also lose I them think that, that, Right. And, and I think this is the one you want to get because you at least want to keep the pressure on Philadelphia right. and San Francisco, right? I mean, so, but let's say they win this one. We just saw Tennessee go into Miami and win. So, right. um. 
Cowboys are giving two and a half from what I'm seeing. So yes, all right. So uh, so, uh, but you know, it's not like okay, San Francisco might be cold, Philly might be cold. It won't be, but to have to have an experience, a cold weather game. I, I like how McCarthy trimmed it. These are playoff games without playoff consequences, and that hardens your team. And, and that's a that's a good thing going into the playoffs. Now, I don't know if you want to lose those games because I don't know what it does for you. But um, well, I'm, you I'm know, gonna I go, I'm gonna go back on this. It depends on how you play. You know, if you yeah. lose thirty-one twenty-eight, you don't want to lose. But okay. If you lose 42-10, you're like, well, what the hell is – what do we got here? So yep, I think it depends right. on how you play. Yep. Um, and then you're trying to get one of the two, but how you play matters uh, because odds are you're not going to win the division. Odds are you're not going to win. But you need to be playing your best football right. going into the playoffs. And if you do that, uh, I'll take my chances uh, with your Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, and, you know, let, let's let's be honest. They're going to have to go on the road on the playoffs because, at, at the very least, Philadelphia is going to have 13 wins. So, at, at the very least, so San Francisco they got the tiebreaker. So, you better show the ability to play on the road because you're going to have to win three games on the road because you're going you you got you get fifth seed. You're going to have to go to the the NFC South again. You should win whoever you're up against, but you know. They lose at Arizona, bad loss. Banked by the, the the Niners. Beat the Chargers wasn't a great showing necessarily, but right. I think their last three road games, their last two road games against Philadelphia and then Carolina, meh, whatever. But like <laughs> they they need to they need to play like you said. You want to win, but you better play well on the road too. So it's not a question of well, crap, how are we going to do in this stadium that's different than what we usually play on right uh you mentioned something interesting and i I got away from it that run defense like i thought the run defense was shady against philadelphia but then while i did the stats it didn't look that bad but it didn't seem to me like they controlled the running game at all against philadelphia And, and so i still have questions about whether they can do it especially with hankins uh i guess he had a high ankle sprain and we don't know yet his availability for this week um, but uh, it seems to me that yeah, still I think he's got to get better two, the next two games. That I think is what it's looking like. Possibly he misses. Right. Well, that's a big but, loss because Mozzie Smith ain't done nothing yet. Right. And and so that's why I mentioned you know Carl Davis. They got this three hundred thirty five pound guy who's played in the league for six seven years. Played in the right. wing in the last couple of years. He's been around um, the Cowboys for the last few weeks on the practice squad. I think that's a guy that they call up and say. Okay, plug it up. Help us here, and and that's that's like one of those moves at the time they make it. Like, oh man, why did they have that guy? And now you find out why, right? And I think there's might be a couple more positions, and I don't know who you go get uh, at corner, at linebacker, have a veteran on the practice squad, just a dude that ultimately is the just in case emergency guy. Not that you're going to sign him and say he's fixing our issues. No, no, no. It's just like someone gets hurt at these positions. You got a guy ready that can step in and, and, and help you. I think those are two positions that they should look at. Um, you know, down, down the stretch here, I'm not saying go get Dominic and Sue's. I don't think that's going to happen. But uh, 
the run defense is a concern, and it's going to be because because of what you said. You know, Mozzie's not had the season everybody thought, and, and we talked about it before. Maybe he's paying the sins for following guys like Tyler Smith, Micah Parsons, and C.D. Lamb that you just think these guys walk in and play great from the beginning. Um, right. But it, there's just something that's not – it's not there. Like, he, he, like it, it, and he looks smaller. I don't know how much he weighs, but it, whatever they list him at, let me see what they list him at. Uh, they list him at 328 pounds. He don't look 328. I bet you he's 310. Like, he don't look like 300 – and now – you know, he didn't look like he weighed 328, too, the way he was put together. But he, right. he looked smaller than he did at the start of the season, or especially when he showed up, um, you, know, you know, when they when they selected him. But he needs to be a guy that can not have to make plays, but, again, hold up. Yeah. Hold everybody else up. Let these dudes make plays. That's, like, what what the job's got to be. And now, you know, there's going to be a lot more focused uh, attention on him. And, and if not, yeah. then it's going to be on Carl Davis. Or right. Neville Gallimore, or somebody. But the, he, uh, yeah, but uh, I think it's good. We'll get he'll get plenty of playing time over the next two weeks if he earns it to show. Yo, I've progressed and I've grown. Uh, before we let you go, Stefan Gilmore was on one the other day, man. Uh, was that just because he pissed, or is that something he can continue <laughs> to do? Because I love the way that they've matched him up the last couple of weeks. No, I think he. This is kind of who he is, right? He's going to give up catches. They all get do, but when it comes to the, the clutch moments and when they need to play, he's going to make it. I mean, I, I think the Colts won four games last year and he made like the game clinching play at the end of the game and all four of them, maybe right. I, I know there was for sure either an interception in the end zone that won the game and maybe a, a pass breakup too. But um, th- this is why they got him and, and he's steady and yeah, he's 33 years old. And I think he might be the oldest corner in the league, but it's not, he's not playing that way. And now that you look at, you know, the, the Bills receivers, the Dolphins receivers, and what the Lions can be, although they're, they've hit a little bit of funk. Um, you're glad you have a guy like Stephon Gilmore on that side because he's just a calming influence for everybody on that defense. Now, are you going to do, and I mean this with all love, are you going to do the classic Todd Archer story this week? Uh, I don't know what that means. Stephon Gilmore going back to the team that drafted him number oh. one over. They drafted him with the tenth first, the tenth pick of the first round, where he started his career, the Buffalo Bills. No, I don't have that one on the docket. Sorry for oh. not uh, putting two and two together. That's uh, okay, right there. That's, just, that's an Archer staple. But uh, and, and I say that uh, no, in a good way. No, I, I'm. Uh, we have an NFC home field advantage battle coming between myself. Uh, Tim McManus, our Eagles rider, and our Niners rider, Nick Wagner. We got that coming. And I got a how Tyron Smith is doing this without practicing uh, story coming as well. Because yeah, he's he been on one, too. He's been playing great. So great that ain't nobody heard his name. You know what's funny? He ranks like 36th out of 68 qualifying tackles and pass block win rate. There are times where I don't think these stats match up to what <laughs> – how a guy's actually playing. Yep. They don't. They should that's why they I mean you it's fine to use these stats, but they can only be, you know, a one part of a puzzle, one part of a of an evaluation. They can't be the whole thing. Yeah. Yep. No doubt. Hi, my brother. I'm not okay. rushing you. Uh, where are you going? Where where are you, 
you got Calvin and uh, oh, Calvin's not going to this game. You got Chill meeting you on Saturday. Uh, I mean, you can meet me too. Uh, no, that's you why didn't I, invite me. I, so. No, I texted you earlier, and I have the I had the receipts. I said, when are you getting to Buffalo? Have I texted you right. about any it, other game this week, this year, about when you're getting there? It was I don't when, uh, I but have. it wasn't say what are you doing on Saturday. It was when are you getting there, and then it was I'm trying to get a credential so I don't have to sit out in the cold. Get so if we're gonna bring up the text messages, I was gonna say why I'm you put all my business out there. Get them, get them, talk, <laughs> get them, talk. <laughs> and uh, my dad asked me what I was doing. I said I'm still working through it, man. But uh, yeah, I think the uh, plan is uh, is to hang out on uh, Saturday. Get uh, me, you, my dad, my AJ is going with me. Uh, chill and just hang out, solve all the world's problems, and uh, you can see what I've had to put up with uh, for fifty six years in Doctor Taylor because he's a trip. I don't know what time I, I might get in late. I'm not sure what time I get in, but right, well, I, like I'll tailgating on uh, like tailgating Sunday. Uh, I don't know that my dad does that. I'll, I'll tell you a funny story about that. My dad and his wife. My dad's a stickler for getting. He wants to be in his seat. For the for the for the kickoff for the for the for the kickoff and the coin flip and all of that, uh, his wife, lover, lover to death, notoriously late, and so about twenty years ago, man, they he stopped going to the game with her. He's like, I'll, I'll see you at the stadium, because he goes so that he can, you know, catch the bus to the game or if he's driving, drive and be in his seat for the coin flip, and she show up sometime before the start of the second quarter. It could be yeah. shortly after kickoff. It could be right as the second quarter starts. She'll be there. But he got tired of waiting, and it was causing problems. And so he said, you know what? I know how to solve this. I'll meet you at the game. Love you. Toodles. <laughs> so, you know. Uh, but no, nah, so I don't think he tailgates. But I don't know. So we'll see. But uh, we'll be in touch that, this week. That's a game you get too early because of the traffic getting into that stadium. is kind of a well, nightmare. Yeah, I'm trying to figure all of that out, man, and I'm running out of time. Uh, so I'll, I'll have some answers before uh, tomorrow. Okay. All right, brother. I'll talk to you later. All right. See you guys. All right. Now y'all know why Todd Archer, who's brought to us each and every Wednesday by Smokey John's Barbecues, uh, is on the show. Because that's how he treats me. The only person who treats me worse than Todd, we're, he's on the show every day. Big Joe and the Big Red. I don't know why they feel comfortable treating me like this, but they do. Only ones who treat me like this. I always got some smart-ass comment to say. I always put me in my proverbial place. But, you know, you need people like that around you. Otherwise, I'd be completely and totally out of control. I don't know about always because I didn't, I didn't say nothing about you not knowing the immediate action on your little potpourri thing that you got <laughs> going on over there. I mean, I was thinking about that, but I said, nah, I ain't going to say nothing. You understand what immediate action is, right? No, what is it? That's when you do something to get something restarted. Do you slap it? Do you pull it? Do you reset it? Like when your weapon oh. don't fire, you got to do immediate action. Oh, okay. You know, I like slap, this. pull, tap, you know. <laughs> I was thinking about love making. No, no, <laughs> no. You, 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 slap, you slap the magazine, you pull the charging handle. You tap the magazine. You know, you slap it. You, you, you tap the forward assist. You, you pull the charging handle, tap the magazine. That ain't got nothing to do with making love. Let me tell you something right now. Craig Burris, he's smiling so hard, he don't know what to do. That's my gun guy who listens to the show. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is grinning from ear to ear. And then he going to text me like, I can't believe you said that. You know, I don't listen to you for you to mention me. I just listen to the show because I like it. Mm-hmm. But now, yeah, Craig is out here a gun guy. 
but back to Smoke Giants Barbecue. Uh, I ain't gonna lie, I'm not gonna be out out to get Joe Nunn this week, but I might meet Newey Scruggs over there this week. Right. And uh, I'm trying to get Joe during the Christmas week. Is going to happen. I'm going to do whatever it takes to make it happen during the week of Christmas, because uh, that'll be his Christmas gift. Uh, and so the jam session bowl, which I'm gonna introduce to Nui. Uh, hopefully, you know I'm gonna check with Nui. Uh, maybe it gets done today. Uh, but I'm gonna I'm gonna introduce it to Nui, man. And it's a bowl with a mac and cheese or a mashed potato base, and then it's your choice out of two out of five smoked meats. Uh, your boy goes with the brisket and the sausage 99 percent of the time, maybe 90 percent of the time. Uh, and then all that stuff you find in a loaded baked potato from bacon bits, chives, cheese, sour cream, butter, all that stuff, man. They put it on top. And then comes the fun part. They either drench it with sauce or drizzle it with sauce. It's your choice. It is to live for. It is love in your mouth. It is fantastic, delicious. It is on the secret menu. Did you hear that? Secret menu. It ain't on the regular menu. It's on the secret menu. So if you don't ask for it, you ain't going to see it. And when you ask for it, everybody's be like, what is that? I don't see it. What is that? Huh? It's on the secret menu. You tell them, hey, it's a jam session bowl, man. You just say, if you know, you know. That's simple. It is to live for. Um, try it. And then send me a picture. It's fantastic. Now, if you go, if you can't go to Smokey John's, but you need to feel it, need to taste it, need to have some. You can go online to SmokeyJohns.com. Click on the marketplace. You can order the rub or the sauce and have it at your crib, like, instantly. You think that doesn't make a great stocking stuffer? It does. You hear that? It does. Um, you can also go to, to uh, HEB in Frisco, pick up the rub. No problem. It's fantastic. Smokey John's Barbecue, it is to live for. And I'm calling Nui, and I made... Let me tell y'all something. I may end up over there today. I'm sorry, Joe. Whether sorry, new coming, whether new come or not, that I can't take the helicopter ride out to Crowley today. If I could, I'd deliver it. But I'm gonna check with that that Scruggs man because uh, I got the Cowboys Wednesday and Thursday, so it's a no go. And then I'm going to Buffalo on Friday. So today is the day. Got to make it happen. Uh, what do you call it? Slap, tug, uh, no, pull. No. What is it? You tap the forward assist. You pull the charging handle. Tap, and you pull. tap the magazine. I mean, tap, you, pull, you, no, you slap the magazine, pull the charging handle, you tap the forward assist. All that's, all that's to get the boat, make sure the boat's seated so right. it'll come back. But anyway. Slap, pull, tap. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do to my fort stop in that jam session bowl nah, later stop, on today. Stop it. If New Year's <laughs> Clubs get a, get a jam session bowl before me, I don't want it. No, nah, dog, I ain't going to pay for his. I'm just saying, I don't know. Nah, come on, man. Because I've like been this. promised this bowl. Come he, on, man. Don't one, be like that. I ain't got nothing against Newey. I like Newey. always have. But if he get one for me, I don't want it, dog. I'm trying to get better. I'm trying not to cuss. We're going to talk about that one day. Yeah, we're going to talk about that today. Cause I, need you, <laughs> I need you to settle down on that. <laughs> Let's move on to the block, man. Roger that. Today's topic, sushi. Are you down with sushi? No, sir. When's the last, have you tried sushi? A little bit, but, you know, when I make it to the buffet, it's too much more stuff over there. Okay. Usually, see, I've never been to a sushi, sushi place. I've been to a All sushi right. place, I mean no. a buffet place that's had no. sushi. 
No, nah, so you have not had sushi, and I I'm I'm I not don't. I'm not judging you. I'm just telling you. Yeah, it's like if you get a taco with a pizza, if you get a taco with a steak place, eh, you know, you do what people do if you want sushi. Uh, so, I was uh, never been a sushi guy, ever, and then, and this is always interesting to me. This is why this is why you need to, in my opinion, this is the beauty of exposing your kids to different things. Or having friends who expose you to different things. And you expose your friends and your kids to different things. Because then people can experience stuff and decide for their own. Whether they want to roll with something or whether they don't. So I had never tried sushi. Raw fish, that don't sound like nothing I need to try. And then, the Dallas Morning News assigned me to cover the 2010 Olympics in Vancouver. Where sushi... Is a wonderful thing. And so I was there, I don't know, I was there for 21 days covering the Olympics. And uh, somewhere around week, week and a half, Kate Heropolis, one of my friends at the Morning News who was covering the Olympics with me, she said, hey, a couple of my friends are going out to sushi tonight. You want to go? And I was like, girl, I don't get down with sushi. She says, you haven't had Vancouver sushi. She said, it comes fresh out the water in Vancouver. It's, it's the freshest sushi you'll ever get outside of Japan. I said, all right, I'll try it. I mean, I'm on the company dime, so I ain't paying for it. What better way to try it? So I went out, and uh, she said, if you've never tried sushi, start with the California roll. It's a basic roll. There's nothing exotic about it, and it'll give you a feel for what it is and how it tastes. It's rice and cucumbers, some, some basic stuff. She said, and then you can move out and try a few different things. So make a long story short. Uh, I came back from the Olympics like sushi is the bomb. I love sushi. Now I'm not to the point where I can I can get the most exotic of the exotic, uh, but I'm I'm moving in that direction. You know, it's an experience. And so um, I took my wife to a sushi spot when I got back to Dallas in Frisco. She tried it. She's like, "This is the nastiest stuff you have ever brought me for lunch. I ain't never doing this again." And I said, hey, try this other roll. Because I bought three or four rolls. And she said, this is the nastiest stuff ever. You're going to have to eat all of this. I'm not eating anymore. And I said, no. I said, it's four different kinds. Try this one. See if you like this one. She said, Jacques. I said, girl, you eat clay dirt. Those of you from East Texas know what I mean. I said, you eat clay dirt. You're going to try this sushi. And she looked at me and she said, you know, you're wrong for that. I said, I know I am, but I want you to try it. Just see. And she tried it. She said, this is nasty, too. I said, you really giving it an open mind? She said, yeah. I said, all right, this is the last one. Just try it. She said, Jacques, I done tried three. They all nasty. They all taste awful. I don't want to. I said, so you telling me the woman that eat chitlins, which is really food covered in pig shit, just don't want to try just, this? Just put all her business out there. <laughs> Golly. Everything ain't for disclosure, dog. Yeah. This okay. was 15 years ago. It don't matter. I said, you eat chitlins, intestines covered in oh, pig shit. Oh, they not. But they you don't want to try you don't want to try this last piece of sushi. She said, I can't really tell you everything she said right then, mm-hmm. but she said, "Okay, I'm going to do this for you and I want to hear another word from you." Now you know my wife, and so you know it take a lot for her to get to that level. And so I said, "Hey, um uh, and she tried it, and you know what happened? She got a little smile. I said, oh, you like that one? 
She said, no, I don't like this one, but it's okay. I said, you lying. You like that one. And she started smiling. She said, okay, this one's not too bad. I said, just say you like it. It's okay. So we can get out of here. Right. Yeah. She said, okay, I like it. I said, yes, you like it. Now, fast forward 15 years. Girl, eat sushi all the damn time. Now, the reason I'm telling y'all this is my son turned 20 yesterday. Uh, I tell that dude, I'm trying not to tear up. I tell that dude all the time, I love you because you're my son, man. But I like you, dog. I'm so happy that you're a good dude and that uh, we can kick it as father and son and have fun uh, because I was really concerned for a period of time. Now, this is just my own personal concern. And I don't know if uh, you guys who are fathers out there, if you experience the same thing. When he was a kid, I knew how to handle him. Meaning, I knew what our relationship was around. I watch him play sports. We go to the movies. Uh, we play basketball outside. I, I knew that. I had no issue with that. I knew how me and my son get along and hang out. And then, when he was a teenager, you know, 14, 16, I'm still watching him play sports. But now he got his friends. And so, there was a period of time where I'm trying to figure out where do I fit in? How do I get in? How do I keep... A relationship with my son Where we cool So you still got the father son thing Sometimes I need to get in your ass about what you're doing But we can enjoy each other You know the way I envisioned It the day he popped out the womb And so uh, Slowly it evolved And now we had a great relationship uh, he's, a te- he's in college And we probably get together uh, At least once a month uh, maybe twice sometimes But at least once a month He'll come by my spot He'll play some pool uh, Last time he was here We played some FIFA on the PlayStation For about an hour We played some pool We watched uh, Ohio State, Michigan And uh, it was a great time And so we talk Probably 15, 20 minutes once a week Blah, blah, blah So it's his birthday yesterday Hey, where you want to go for your birthday? I don't know Hey, dog You want to go to your sushi spot? He's like, yeah That's a good thing Let's go So uh, took my son, kids, my ex to the sushi spot last night, and uh, it was a good time, man. Uh, and he's a, he enjoys sushi. He likes to eat sushi all over Dallas. And uh, I was asking him last night. I was like, "Did I introduce you to sushi?" He's like, "I think you did, but uh, you know, it's kind of exotic. So I, I kind of like exotic things, and so it was good." And so we spent last night uh, eating sushi and uh, telling lies about his first 20 years of life. But here go the funny thing, man. I got a grandson who is, he one of the funniest people I know without trying to be funny. He don't like but about five things in this world to eat. And I've been trying to tell him, Doug, you can't just live off of five things. One of them being pizza and two of them. And uh, the second one being chicken McNuggets from McDonald's. I was going to say, chicken strips got to be in there somewhere. <laughs> I said, you got to have some more in your life, man. It just can't be that. And so last night, I tried to get him to try some uh, edamame. 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 Y'all know what I'm talking about. No, uh, and he kept looking at it. I said, no, nah, put it in your mouth and pull it out with your teeth. And he's just like, I can't do it. It looks too nasty. I just can't do it. I said, try it. I can't do it. So I looked at the menu, and I was like, hey, this boy ain't finna eat nothing on this menu. So I, I ordered them some chicken fried rice. They had to make it special. 
because it wasn't on the menu. The bowl came. He was all excited. He took a bite. He's like, this is nasty. I said, but you like chicken fried rice. He goes, I know, but this is nasty chicken fried rice. <laughs> I was like, dog, you're killing me, man. I said, so put some, uh, I said, what if, you, what if we put some soy sauce on it? He said, yeah, yeah, put some sauce on it. Put it on there, mix it up, took a bite. How is it? Papa, this nasty too. This the nastiest chicken fried rice ever. They don't know how to make it here. I just shook my head. So by that time, the sushi came. This boy looked at the sushi, picked up a piece. I said, you got to put it in your mouth in the whole time, man. It's the only time you're allowed to stuff your mouth because it's meant to be eaten all at once so that all the flavors mix and mesh together. So, of course, he only took half a bite. And he's like, this is pretty good. I like this. I was like, what? Everybody at the table was like, what? I said, boy, you lying. Is he not? And so he took a bite of the other half. He ate that. I was like, oh. And then he reached down. Nobody said nothing. He picked up another piece. And this one was a Hawaiian roll and had some mango in it. He's like, he said, mm, what is this? And he spit out the mango part. I said, all right. I said, you want some more? He's like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm full. So I'm good. I ain't think nothing else about it, man. We get in the car. I get a text from his mama, my daughter. She says, and I'm going to read this to you exactly. Why did Elon just say, I really didn't like the sushi. I just did it to try new things and make y'all happy. There you go. <laughs> and I said, my boy, that's all right. Uh, because at least you tried it. And uh, that's my sushi story. Sushi is terrific. A lot of good sushi spots in Dallas. Uh, I've had some of the finest and I've had some basic. Uh, it's okay to be somewhere in the middle. Uh, but sushi is good. Uh, it's pretty light. And, uh, you know, you can get some of it fried, tempura, and uh, so it's not raw if you can't handle that. But go out if you haven't tried it. It's a good experience. Uh, it's a good date night because yeah. there's a lot of different things you can try, a lot of different things you can talk about. So you know what the try moral, some sushi. You know what the moral of that story is? What's the moral of that story? Is how is, is when you learn something new, it depends on who's, who's – uh, Introducing you Who's to it? introducing you to it and how they introduce you to it. Yeah, exactly. What's the what's the girl? What's the lady name? Kate. Yeah, Kate. I thought that was pretty good. Pretty good introduction right there. Yeah, you know no, that, no. that that you know it's all. Well, no matter what you do, new it's always the person how the person that introduces you to it how they how they teach you. No, no matter exactly. what it is. No, that is uh, that is very true. Uh, no, it's, it's real talk, and that's why that's the way when I introduced the kids to it. That's why I took the same approach, and kind of, uh, kind of. Well, I did with my son, not with, with not with my ex. I did yeah. that with my son. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you know, and I didn't know that he likes it. I just introduced him to it. I didn't know he liked it per se. Uh, but when I took him to this other spot, he hit me up a few weeks later. I said, uh, he said, well, "Hey, what's the name of that place we went to, and what, what's the address?" So I sent it to him, and he sent me a picture later on. That boy taking his girl to the spot. And so uh, I said, oh, you must have really liked it. I said, you paid for it, right? It's not on my credit card because that's just for gas and car expenses. He's like, yes, Dad, I paid for it. I said, all right, enjoy yourself then. Yeah, don't ever forget, man, the credit card is for gas and car expenses. It's not for you to wild out on, my brother. Anyway, that's our trip around the block. Hope you enjoyed our sushi conversation. Go get your son. No, thank you. Now, man. <laughs> Well, you know, I might need to introduce you to it. 
No, nah, you in can't a, in even a better get way. You, you can't even get the bowl over here. I ain't let alone no shit. <laughs> Hell, I'll be starving. You know what I'm saying? If I'm waiting on you to eat, I might I might get in shape waiting on you to eat. But all right then. <laughs> yeah. All Let's move on, dog. Let's move on, man. Moving let's on, move on, baby. Moving on. Moving on. Let's talk about high school football. If you're watching the YouTube channel, and you should be, Jock Talk TV, you should be. I am wearing a DeSoto Eagles polo shirt left over from when my son was playing for the DeSoto Eagles. Now, we went to the game this weekend. This last two weeks, uh, me and my dude have gone to see DeSoto play uh, because he still knows the, the seniors on this team. Some of them were sophomores on the varsity when he played. Um, some of them were on the freshman team or on the JV. So he still knows several players on, on this team. Uh, he knows several of them personally, and some of them he just knows, oh, that's so-and-so who was, you know, on the JV, blah, blah, blah. And we thought he was going to be beast when he got to the varsity, and he either is or is not. So we've been to the last two games. Uh, and I really wanted to see him against Southlake because I don't like Southlake, and I ain't afraid to tell y'all. Uh, you know, I just don't like them. To me, that's just your boy now. They're really kind of a whiny program. For a program that has every – single solitary advantage you could want. They're really kind of a whiny program. Uh, and, 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 you know, uh, it just is what it is. Uh, there's a lot of programs like that. To me, I call them, to me, South Lake is like a mini A&M. They're always crying about something if they don't win the championship. Uh, you know, but that's just me in my opinion. So I was hoping that the, uh, and a lot of that stems from when they beat uh, Skyline, where I went to high school a few years, probably a decade ago. They beat them two or three times in the playoffs. Very hotly contested games. And I knew some people who lived in South Lake and who really supported the program. And the way they talked, man, it was like, well, you know, you got all these athletes, but you're just not as disciplined and you don't do this. And it's like, just shut up. Because you got, it, you got every single advantage you should win based on your advantage. Uh, but anyway... Uh, it was a great game. Uh, DeSoto won. Uh, I can't remember the score. It seemed like it was 45-38. Something like uh, that. DeSoto was in control the whole game. Um, but Southlake was hanging around, and DeSoto made some mistakes that they normally don't make. Turned it over four times. Uh, but, uh, you know, they, they're, they're in control. They win the game. And, uh, it's like, again, it's a well-played game. So I'm reading the story in the paper the next day. And uh, there's a quote in the Dallas Morning News. And the preface, before the quote, there's a sentence that says, um, DeSoto, South Oak Cliff, and um, uh, Duncanville, you know, contemporaries in Dallas' southern sector have cultivated their talent-rich teams and turned them into state powers. Which is true, because Duncanville has, uh, has won... Last year's state championship, South Oak Cliff has won two in a row. DeSoto won last year. But here's the quote, and uh, this is from Riley Dodge right after they lose to DeSoto. We don't have all the five stars and all of the cat daddies running around, Dodge said. We got to be about work, and these kids, what they put into this each and every day is unmatched. I call bullshit on that. Straight up. BS. Cow chips, buffalo chips, all of that stuff. Ankle high poop. Because the implication is that teams like DeSoto 
only win because they have superior athletes. Ain't got nothing to do with coaching. Ain't got nothing to do with discipline. And what do you mean the kids on your team work ethic is unmatched? I mean, where do you get off saying that? Even when I was talking to somebody yesterday about my son and what a good kid he is, because every kid is not a good kid. And I'm not, and yeah, my son has smoked some weed, so he ain't perfect. All his business. No, I just said everybody's tried it. Go ahead, not me. Oh, well, you know, you special then. Uh, but that I am. Uh, see, you that dude. Nah. But. I would never, and I've said this, and I said this yesterday when talking about him. I said, oh, I think my kid is great. I'd say nobody has a better kid. I would never say my kid's the best. Uh, When I'm talking about my mother, who, you know, has been elevated to sainthood since her death, (laughs) I would say nobody had a better mother than me. That means you could have, your mother could be equally as great to you as mine was to me. And I believe that's the case. Lots of people have great mothers who are fantastic people. None had a better than me. That doesn't mean mine was the best. It just means nobody had a better one than me. So if you think your mom was the best ever, you're right. She is. Just like mine's the best ever to me. And so, you know, and so I put a cap on it. So to say that nobody works as hard as your team, I mean, come on, dog, stop. But the implication that these teams only win with, with talent to me is ridiculous. And here's why. These teams have evolved. These teams have gotten better. These teams have figured out how to win. And what I mean is the joke, and it was a truth. It was a stereotype, but it was based on truth. And I I can't deny it. For years, DISD teams, Kimball, Carter, all those teams that were really, really outstanding teams, they didn't put no effort into the kicking game, bro. They miss extra points. They wouldn't have a kicker. They'd have to go to two because they couldn't execute the snap, the hole, the kick, the blocking. That ain't the case, man. When these guys are supposed to get seven, they get seven. I watched DeSoto play the other day. DeSoto was probably penalized uh, three or four times, maybe five. They played the game the way it's supposed to be played. Southlake came out in the second half, and they did something with their running game. Dude bust up the middle 75 yards for a touchdown. Dude bust up the middle 58 yards for a touchdown. Dude bust up the middle 22 yards. And I looked at my dude. I said, man, if they don't get this fixed, it might be some sad singing and some slow walking off this field. That was the third quarter. Fourth quarter? Them plays that was working in the third quarter? Nah, bro. They made some adjustment on the sideline. They said, hey, here's what we need to do. And the running game stopped, which is why Southley got into the red zone and had to kick field goals in the fourth quarter. Fourth quarter is when DeSoto went on a 17-0 run. You know what they did? They blocked the field goal. How's that for execution of the special teams? And so what I'm saying is they're not win- they have talent. That's not the qu- they have talent, but they play with discipline. Their coaching is, is elite, and that's why they win. And uh, Riley does. Guess uh, this is a question I'm asking you, just for your off the top of your head guess. How many five star t- players does this DeSoto team have on its roster? Two. Zero. Okay. Which I to, looked up. To, to me, stars don't mean nothing. I got into uh, an argument about that, but uh, go ahead. Right, right, because that's that's a good point, and that's a conversation for another day. Mm-hmm. Because all stars do is give you a range of how good the player is. Um, but 
if you're talking about five stars players, you're talking about the elite of the elite players. There's none of those on this year's. And I looked at, I used ESPN's top 300 as my gauge. I saw players on that list from Duncanville. I saw them from Lancaster. I saw them from Prosper. I saw several of them from the Dallas-Fort Worth area. None from DeSoto. So I looked at next year. They got two from next year. They got wide receiver committed to SMU, and they got DeAndre Ryder, uh, Tiger Ryder, their big-time running back. Uh, and they're both, like, between 180 and 200 on the list, somewhere in that ballpark. Uh, Southlake, and I'm just telling you, Southlake starting quarterback, signed with Georgia Tech. DeSoto starting quarterback uh, is committed to uh, Sam Houston. Okay? One of them is Power 5, ACC. That's Southlake. And then there's, uh, you know, whatever division Sam Houston is, which is Group of Five, if they're not uh, FCS, which they were for a long time. But and you, so what I'm saying. You're burying the lead, though. Now, talking, I'm leaving that for you. Okay. Go ahead. So go ahead. Well, he's talking, what the hell is a cat daddy? That's what I'm talking about, man. What is a cat daddy? <clears throat> what does that mean? See, see, all the components of that, that statement I've heard from coaches before. Mm-hmm. You know, white, black, or brown, whatever. But what the hell do you mean we got cat daddies walking around? See, mm-hmm. that's my problem right there. I laid all that out to set up the cat daddy line. Because really what you're talking about is you're talking about, you know, black players. Because you would never refer to your quarterback as a cat daddy. Does, does, all, does your daddy team, does the Todd Dodge <clears throat> team have any cat daddies over there? At Westlake, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. I don't know. Nope, he wouldn't say that. They got nah. cat daddies. What the hell is a cat daddy? What you talking about? And the reason I point this out is, man, and I'm not saying Riley Dodge is a racist person. I'm not. One, I don't know him. Yeah. But what I am saying is, these kind of racist thoughts get perpetuated when you say stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And this is what you mean because you're inferring something about a group of people. That's what you're doing. And you can say, I'm not racist. I, I got black players on my team. I do this in the black community. That don't mean nothing, man. Well, there's two individuals on this show, me and you, that don't see race in everything. You can't Correct. possibly see. You know, not to get along in this world, you can't. So you don't. we don't see race in everything. So it ain't like we just saying, hey, I don't want to hear that race card shit because I don't play that. I'm right, just right, saying right. This, this guy saying that. that him saying that statement is, is crazy. It, yeah. it is. It's 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 uh, it's uh, it's not it's it's not even veiled racism. It's, it's pretty racist to me to say that we don't got cat daddies. What the hell? Right. Because again, we would say, and you know, a more experienced reporter. Because who covers high schools? Your least experienced reporters. You know, and part of that is they're intimidated by coaches. That's number one. And number two is um, you don't have the experience in a lot of times to understand the follow-up that you should ask. Because if, if you had, uh, and this is what would happen, and, and this is kind of how the business has evolved. Like, I'm the kind of guy who would go to a high school game and cover it as a columnist because I think high school sports in Texas and Dallas is important and worthy of being covered. Uh, because look at, the, look at the stadiums that they build and look at the, the numbers that they draw. People care about high school sports in Dallas, especially high school football. And so, you know, if I were there, I would stop and, and, you know, you would ask Todd, so what's a cat daddy? Just so I'm clear. Mm-hmm. And then you would get a follow-up answer. And then you might even have a discourse of, well, who are the cat daddies on your team? You know what I'm saying? And you could get deeper into it right then 
but if I was there, I'd certainly come back and write about it because it matters what you say. Your words matter. Your context matters. And you just don't get to say these, these off-the-cuff racist statements and be like, oh, well, that's not what I meant, but that's what you said. Well, when, he's, so when he's saying cat daddy, I think he's talking about, you know, you know how you know how we as people we celebrate, right? You know, you know, clapping, cheering, stomping, whatever. You know, that might be what he referring to, but it's still, it's still not good. You know, no, nah, it's not good, and he should be called on it, and uh, he should have to deal with it, especially when you when you think about all the racial tension that's been in South Lake. Yeah, and he ain't making all this that. up. Yeah. Former Dallas Cowboy Russell Maryland was all over the news just a few years ago talking about his kids and the school and everything going on over there. South Lake has had numerous incidents that have been documented. Didn't they had like the slave auction over there or something? I think so, but I'm not yeah. sure, so I can't I speak so. on it. Oh. Uh, but they've had enough enough drama, racist uh, issues from, from a, a very affluent suburban community because uh, they're one of the most affluent communities in Dallas-Fort Worth. And so, you know, you just have to... You just you just don't get to say whatever you want to say with no repercussions well, or nobody question you and ask you about it. Saying they can't coach. In my my personal my personal story with uh, DeSoto, we played them. I will tell you this, and people ain't gonna believe me, but the same athletes they have in DeSoto, they got the same athletes in North Crowley. Right. They just it's just it's just the program and the coaching and all that. We played them my son's uh, senior year in seven on seven, and my son them was. Killing Joshua and Burleson and all the surrounding people over here with their athleticism. Right, we, we started. We played the Soto. The Soto mopped them up. It was a lot of finger pointing on our side, a lot of cussing each other out, and it was just frustrating. And I pulled a couple of players together, including my son. I said, "Hey, that's what happens when you get coaching and talent put together." Exactly. See, them them guys are playing together. They discipline. They coaching. They whooped y'all today cause that because they was more disciplined than y'all. They was more they was coached better than y'all. And I ain't knocking y'all coach, but he know. That's why his ass over there looking mad. That's why y'all <laughs> cussing each other out. That's what you that's what you're gonna run into if y'all ever make the playoffs. And that that just that's enough said about how well them kids are coached. And he, he gonna intimate that they not coached well and they just got five stars and they just got talent. Man, get out of here. Right. Exactly. No, exactly. Because South Lake still got every advantage. Uh, you know, and so you have to you have to be really – you have to be – you just can't win on talent alone. We all know that. Anybody who understands football, uh, basketball, at the, at the highest level. Now, you can win a lot, but at the highest level, if you ain't got coaching, man, and discipline and effort and yeah. work ethic, you're not going to win. Well, not, coaching, not, coaching is the difference. You know, yeah. that's the, been the difference maker at Southlake. They've been coached up big time, and they might have caught up to them, you know, where everybody trains in off season. Everybody, right. you know, everybody, everybody does got that. personal coaches. Yeah, yeah. You know, everybody got that. Uh, so, yeah, that's it. But I, I just wanted to spend some time talking about it because uh, I think it's important, and uh, I don't think you get a pass, uh, you know, just because. Anyway, we appreciate it. It's been a, it's been a fun show today. Uh, we're always brought to you by Grinning Law. Give them a call. You sh- you're in trouble if the number's not in your phone by now. Uh, if if you're ever involved in an accident and it's not your fault, 972-934-8900 with Grinning Law. My friends at Smokey John's Barbecue, that jam session bowl is out of control. Follow me on Twitter, JJT Journalist. I am Jean-Jacques Taylor. And remember, Coach Prime, Deion Sanders, and the Making of Men. 
my book on the 2022 Jackson State season with Deion Sanders is a great Christmas gift. Till we talk again, you guys be blessed.